0: Hello and welcome to Faithbrook Church. My name is Eric Vogel and I am the next-gen pastor here at Faithbrook. Well, we're so excited that you could join us this morning, whether in person or online. Well here at Faith Brook, we want to make sure that everyone is valued and known. And so if you're newer here, we'd love it if you could grab one of these blue connection cards, fill it out, and drop it in one of the giving boxes as you leave. One of the staff members will reach out to you uh, during the week to make a connection with you and you can also fill this online as well if you go to faithbrook.church connect well our mission here is to lead people into a new and thriving life in christ and that includes our kids as well so on wednesday june 14th we'll be having a day camp for our kids for all kids who are currently in first through sixth grade This will be a wonderful day of exploring God in nature, playing games, doing crafts, and just growing deeper in their faith. The cost for this camp is $20, but it includes everything, including lunch, and it will run from nine to four. You can find more information about the day camp on the Church Center app, so encourage you to go there and register your kid today. We're so excited for this special event. Now let's welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as he kicks off our new series, Here, Near, and Far.
1: Well, I don't know if, uh, I don't know everyone that's uh, here today personally. Uh, Some of you have known me for a while. Many of you know that I'm not originally from Minnesota. Uh, Terry and I have lived here 22 years. We have learned to appreciate, love this state, but I never thought I'd ever live in Minnesota. I'm originally from Kansas City. And before we moved, or God moved us to Minnesota, we were down, of all places, Albuquerque, New Mexico. I never thought I'd live there either, but God directed us there. And so we ministered in the church for five years. And the first year we were there, I was introduced to two families from Minnesota. Two families from Minnesota, and I thought to myself, Who is from Minnesota living down here in New Mexico? I really haven't met too many Minnesotans before, and I have to confess, in the back of my mind, I'm just like who are these people, right? I mean, they live up north, and it's all cold, and they just have Eskimo coats on all the time, and they got to be all rigid. I saw saw how pale their skin was, and they kind of have some, their O's are a little bit different. Yeah, they seem to be kind of hardy people, right? And one guy, he always started his sentences with so, so. He always says so. And I was like, these are kind of strange people, but, you know, I want to, get to know them. They they kind of were kind of examples of that Strange um, state way up, up north. And, and let's just see how they interact down here in New Mexico. Uh, do, what's their work ethic like? You know Can they have some kind of social skills? Because you never know about those weird people up north. And sure enough, through the years, they were one of our best um, families in our church. Man, they were hearty, they were uh, jolly and, and very well put together. It's like, hey, that's pretty good. They were, they were a good witness to the state of Minnesota because everyone kind of is a witness from where they're from or what they, they value. Now, some of you might be thinking the same way with me. You're like, yeah, Jim, you're not one of us. Yes, you've been here for 22 years, but you did not go through the Halloween blizzard of 1991. You were not here in the 80s and 90s when the twins won the World Series, right? And we could tell that you got a little bit of twang in your voice, right? And, and I'm from Kansas City. I'm kind of a witness to my city. I, I like the little town of, of, of Kansas City and the great barbecue, right? And great plaza shopping. And lately, the, the home of the Kansas City Chiefs, woohoo! hoo right? World champions, right? I'm kind of a witness. You might look at me and say, ah, they're kind of strange according to that comfort guy up there. Everyone is kind of giving witness. Well, that, that's where we want to go this next month in this series, here, near, and far. Because Jesus Christ had a vision in his heart that if those who claim to be Christ's followers believe in Christ and try to live like Christ, then they would be his witnesses right where they're at and around them, even to the end of the uh, world areas. We know this because in Acts chapter one, the good Dr. Luke recorded Jesus's words, his vision when he said in verse eight, but you will receive power in the Holy Spirit Comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus was given a prophecy. They had no idea that a couple of days later they would be gathered around in an upper room and the Holy Spirit would invade on that group of disciples and followers of Jesus Christ that they would be so infused with his holiness, his love, his passion, that they would be transformed and start transforming the world as we know it. In chapter 2 in Acts, we call it Pentecost, this, this, this incredible Holy Spirit moment, event that would ignite the church of Jesus Christ. And we notice that Jesus in his prophecy had a strategy. And how to be the witnesses, someone who would tell, someone who would model, someone who exemplified the things of Christ. He says, now you're going to be witnesses right here in your hometown of Jerusalem, right there in your neighbor here, neighborhood, right there. And then he says, it's an expand, he said, into Judea. Judea was in, a, in the area or the southern part of Israel. And then in Samaria, well, Samaria was, was a different race. It, it was a different culture. He wants us to be a witness in, in different cultures, maybe different languages, even into the ends of all the earth. And that includes you and me 2,000 years later. Because I would submit to you that Jesus had this passion and his vision because he knew all of mankind would need his love. That all of mankind would need his redemption His forgiveness, because he knew the human heart, that the human heart would always be selfish. The human heart would always want to gravitate to set them as God. And the repercussions would be uh, felt and seen in society and every day where the coarseness and the selfishness and the hardening of the heart that would translate into sinfulness and brokenness and, and damage and disappointment in everyday society, families and relationships. And there would have to be someone who would be the witness, someone that would say, yes, I'm, I'm from that Jesus tribe. I'm from, from his values, his con. Convictions and someone have to exemplify and share and witness to who Christ Jesus was. He says, I see that you would be my witness. And where do we start? Right here, right here in our hometown. And today we're going to be focusing on our personal witness. Next week we're going to be talking about our corporate witness as our church together. It'll be our celebration Sunday. I'm really excited about it and just share how God has worked through Faithbrook this last year, where we've been and where we're going. But this morning, we kind of want to look at our own personal witness. How are we doing with that? Would you say that your friends, your coworkers, maybe family members, if they were to say, hey, uh, uh, I could tell that you witnessed uh, about something else, you might live a little bit differently, just like you might say, oh, Comfort, you're you're not really a true Minnesota. And I could tell that you're from the South. Or when I was in New Mexico, I could tell those people were from Minnesota. Could people have that kind of perspective and thought about you? And why would it be important for us to give witness? Why would it be important to pursue God's vision for us to be witnesses here, near, and far? I would suggest to you that because you may be the only Jesus some will ever see, you may be the only Christian Christ follower that people ever bump into. We now live in America in a pretty secular society it's not the majority that are going to church. It's not the majority of the next generation that has read the Bible. And so if you claim that you go to Christian church or Christ, then people are like, is that what Jesus looks like? Is this what he says and does? You would be that witness. Now, the Apostle Paul tried to share this in a baby church that he he started in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he tried to explain that there is a mission upon everybody who claims that they are a Christian. He started out in verse 17 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. This is an awesome verse, right? That because of Christ Jesus, his love and his forgiveness that displayed on the cross, the old, our old mindset, our old regrets and shame and sin can be washed away, and the new, uh, fresh, cleansed, pure heart can start, and we are a new creation. He's trying to establish this with these these young Christians. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself. He reconciled. That word reconciled, something has to be put together because something's been torn apart, Some offenses happen, and there's an estrangement. There's there's a, a division, and because of Christ, he reconciled what was torn, what was hurt, what was offended in a beautiful way on the cross, that his blood was shed and atoned for our ugliness and atoned for our sin. That we could have a peace and a personal relationship, a love life with Jesus Christ. Because what he did on the cross, and so he continues on. And so he gave us the ministry. Though you can go back there. He gave us the ministry of Reconciliation because Jesus Christ is not walking around in our neighborhoods anymore, down at the corporate office anymore. It's you and me who claim to be Christ's followers. He gave us the mission of this reconciliation that God was reconciled the word, world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. It's the greatest message in the world. It's one of the reasons why I went into full-time ministry. It's the greatest product that I can sell. That in the eternity, in the spirit world, we have offended God. We have all fallen short of the God, uh, God's glory. We're in trouble. But because of this free gift that Jesus Christ he did on the cross, we could have a new life. My old life, my old thinking, the things that I'm ashamed of before I stand before a holy God. He says, it's done, Jim. I forgive you. You are a new creation. You can start over again. That is the greatest message in the world. And he's like, that's what I've given you to tell people, to be witnesses, to testify that their sins can be gone with. They do not, not count against them. We are free and new in Christ. This is what Paul's saying to them. So um, he, he continued on, and he, he has committed us the message of this, this, this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Do you know what a, a, an ambassador is? Uh, Sure you do. You're like, oh, yeah, that's an ambassador made of another country. They represent their country in another part. The values and the principles of their country, that's an ambassador. As though God were making his appeal through us. So Jesus is counting on us to make the appeal of the message of the gospel that we need salvation. We need to be reconciled through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus knows that we need to be reconciled. Sure, we we can think we can take life on our own. We can be a good person. when We care for things and we're pretty righteous, but we'll never be good enough to meet God's standard of holiness and righteousness. It would take a divine intercession by Christ himself. And he's asking us to live it, to share that, to be examples because we're all broken. We all have a selfish need uh, that we want to do our own thing and be our own God. And this shows up in so much dysfunction in our society. Heartbreak and hurt from crimes to being lied to, to to being betrayed, uh, gossip and failure. And here he's like, please, someone share the good news. Speaking of brokenness and the need to be reconciled and the message of of God's love. I I saw an email came over my computer a month or so ago uh, from our commissioner of this recreational basketball league that I participate in. And the commissioner was like, hey, there's a young man in our league that's really in need. Uh, His life has been devastated. Um, He is broke physically. He is broke emotionally. He's lost his job. He doesn't have a car. He is desperate. And really this commissioner is reaching out to all these guys and like if anyone has a car maybe, or someone could maybe have a cup of coffee with them, someone maybe just mentored this young man, it would be very helpful. And I sat back and I thought, man, I, I hardly know this young man. Uh, he was in another uh, uh, tier of talent than I've ever been in, in, in uh, basketball, believe me, right? But I knew who he was. I played with him a couple times. And every time I was around him, frankly and honestly, he just came off kind of cocky, right? Uh, he, he just was like, yeah, man, I'm going to get a basketball scholarship, and I'm the bomb, and I, I got my life put together, and I got, the, I got the girls, and every time we maybe pray or kind of get together, he's like, man, I don't have too much time for that because I got places to go, people to see, man. He's got it all together now. His life is falling apart. Now his heart is open. And I thought to myself, first thing I thought to myself is welcome to the club, man. Welcome to the club. Because I know for myself, I thought I had it all together. I thought I could put it all together. But inside, secretly, I was estranged from God. And I came to that breaking point. I came to that understanding. Someone shared the good news. that Jim, you don't have it all together. Because we're all insecure. We have all been damaged and hurt. And we're just striving for all these other things. So The the love of God wants to pick us up. And, and reconcile and put us together with the, the spirit that God has given us in the very beginning to be one with Christ Jesus. Someone said Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where bread is. And I wanted to share with this young man that Jesus Christ said, I am the bread of life. He is the bread of life. That's our hope. It's, it's not in, in our talent. It's not in how successful or, or cool we are but the love of Jesus Christ, the bread of life. So if you have an appetite to be a good witness to God, if people would see you at work or in the community or or your family, what would that look like? And if we were going to strive to be a good witness, to fulfill Christ's dream here, near, and far, what are the components that we would need? Well, first of all, I want to give you three. And the first one would be this, to do your best to live your values. Do your best to live your values. The Apostle Paul said, um, in Christ Jesus, the old has gone and new has come. I would question you, maybe you're, you're watching online or here in person, have you solidified your relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you really came to the understanding and say, I'm all in with Jesus? Because a lot of times we're kind of like just a fan of Jesus. We kind of want the benefits of Jesus. We like Jesus, but we really never said, You know what? I got to be dedicated to Jesus. So I hope that you would solidify that and say yes. Now, part of that is nurturing this relationship because this is what I know, that life is full of distracting, shiny things that want to draw you away from Christ. We get so busy, and there's so many other fun things to pursue from our success and careers and relationships. And the last thing we have done is have any time with Jesus, right? Last time we had read the Bible or or took some time to pray because we're so busy, and then we have hardly nothing to say to others. People are like, I don't know. I didn't know you were a Christian, I, I can't hardly tell the difference in your life. Oh yeah, I, I can't tell you the last time I read the Bible. I can't tell you the last time that, that I took some time to reflect on my soul and had some soul care in my life. That's why here at Faithbrook, one of the values that we have, our core values is to foster total health. Foster total health from our physical health to our emotional health to our spiritual health. So how are we doing fostering some health by slowing down. Personally, I love this time of year because the sun comes up early um, and I can sneak out on our deck or I can take a walk early before the, the world uh, awakes and I can spend some time centering down my soul and my thoughts with the creator of the world who loves me and gave his life for me. And so I have a Bible plan on my, <clears throat> my Bible app. I reflect on those verses or the verse of the day i 'm praying for myself i 'm praying for my family i 'm praying for my personality and the challenges in my life i 'm praying for many of the needs and when when I nurture that relationship and my values, then I can take on the day and here comes all kinds of complexities. Here comes the busyness right. How am I coming off genuine because something might tick me off, something might scare me because uh, my values are being cultivated through nurturing my values, because sometimes if we don't do that, people who claim to be Christians, they give off a bad witness, they give off a bad vibe. Have you ever seen or heard of people that really don't honor God in their lifestyle and people say, well, that's just a hypocrite. That's one of the hardest things that real Christians have to overcome because people are judging us of our witness. I'll never forget uh, several years ago, I heard that a lot of the, the waitresses and waiters on Sundays in the restaurants hated the, the church people showing up because they were always the stingiest tippers, the cheapest tippers. It was those Christian people. Well, is that a good witness? It really compels us to say, hey, how is our witness? How are people seeing me, you and me? Uh, the vibes, what's happening? Because we are always preaching something, we are always given a witness of something. Saint Francis of Assisi said, "Preach the gospel. Use words if necessary." Uh, sometimes it's just how we react uh, from a memo, uh, uh, from situations in the news or around our neighborhood. How do we react? Because we're going to be preaching a, a, some kind of thing instead of we don't even have to use words good example of this is I heard about a, a, a lady that attends our church and uh, she uh, got dismissed from her job. She was a long-term employee, a highly successful employee. All of a sudden, she got noticed they were eliminating her position. It shocked her and it shocked her colleagues. They couldn't believe it. And she was sharing with me that uh, a week later, she got together with all her colleagues and after work or whatever, and, and they were just like, I can't believe it, I can't believe it, what are you going to do? And some of them were like, man, how dare that corporation. You've been so good to them, and you're so valuable. You need to get back with them. Man, well, you need to send some emails. And someone was maybe thinking about, well, can you sue them? That's not right. And, and you have to be enraged, and bitterness, and this... this lady was telling me she says you know I, I chose not to give in to all of that and i told them, i said no i'm not going to send off emails I, i'm not going to fight this in fact i'm not going to even go down the road of bitterness and and worry and she says that they were just like what what how dare you you need to do that you have every right they shouldn't have done that and she's like no I'm not. I I know that God has something better for my life. I'm going to trust God. And they could not get their mind around how I was dealing with it. Because what they really didn't know was interiorly, I had a faith in Jesus Christ. And this was going to be a moment in my life that I was really going to have to lean on my faith. Either the things in the Bible and what, what the preacher says is a fairy tale or it's the truth. And I can trust God And maybe I'm going to believe that there's a better chapter for my life. So I'm going to take some time to reset, but I'm not going to just overreact and get mad and upset and bitter. And it made such a message to her colleagues. This is authentic. This person is real living her life. And sometimes that comes off a little peculiar. Sometimes that comes off a little bit odd, but a lot of times there is, a, there is a spiritual engine, a compass inside of us that makes us a little bit different. The Apostle Paul continued to write to these Corinthians when he says, for Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us. Why do we react certain ways? Why do we view things certain, uh, maybe differently? Because His life, Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Are you convinced Christ did that? And is Christ's love inside of you that's compelling you to be a witness for him. And he died for all. That those who live, watch this, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. How many Americans do you know that are living for themselves, Rather than Christ. And if you really live that line, we no longer live for ourselves, that automatically is gonna make you a little bit weird. Are you kidding me? You're, you're, you're a, your calendar will be different, your checkbook will be a little bit different, right? Because the love has, is compelling, the, it's not about me anymore. Rick Warren wrote one of the most popular Christian books um, several years ago, The Purpose-Driven Life. It just captured the world almost. In the first line of the book, it says, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about Christ. And this is what the, the Apostle Paul is talking about, that we have a different um, component, an engine, a compass. It's about Jesus Christ. And this a lot of times trickles over in our witness, in our everyday life. One example of this is uh, from a gentleman, Nick Elkins. I'm going to ask him to come forward. And he was sharing with me this winter that he got into kind of a spiritual conversation with a coworker about something that our church did that I believe made a spiritual impact on his company the people he worked with. So why don't you share that story?
2: Um, yeah, it was back when we were back in like, What was it? January or February, when we did Feed My Starving Children. Um, It was on a Friday evening and they were just asking, hey, what are you gonna do this weekend or what are you doing tonight after work? I said, well, my family and I are joining our church down at Feed My Starving Children. And he goes, and he said he had heard of it, but he said, well, what is what is that all about? So we kind of expressed that, you know, we get together as a church once a year and kind of pack, you know, food for, you know, children all over the world, and, you know, it kind of really impacts us as a church and as our family, and he goes, well, that sounds pretty impressive. He goes, can we do it as a company at work? I said, yeah, I mean, anybody can do it. So he goes, well, would you be interested in helping me get it started? I said, sure, whatever you want to do, and... Before the end of the day, this is like early in the morning, and by noon he went to our management and says, "Would Ferguson, my company, sponsor us?" And he goes, "Well, he goes, if you want to take it on, go ahead, but you know, I don't have time to do it." My, but so by the end of the day, we had almost thirty people sign up, and this past May, the beginning of May, we we went out there, and you know, and we really didn't know what to expect. You know, um, they knew as a Christian organization, and you know, so we went out there and. We packed boxes. It was a great time. We all had a good time. And at the end of it, you know, we go and pray over the boxes. And um, they said, you know, you don't have to, but if you want to go and pray over the boxes, you can. And, you know, we ended up, out of the 30 people that signed up, we had like 25 that actually showed up. But all 25 of them went and and we all prayed over the boxes at the end. So that was pretty
1: amazing. How many do you think out of those 25 were were really uh, authentic followers of Christ? And you're up ten percent, maybe ten percent. So we had like twenty-two people, right, that are they're in a Christian environment because you brought up about our church uh, reaching out to feed my starving children, right. right?
2: And also one of the ladies that she goes to church, but not on a regular basis. She volunteered to pray over the boxes that night, so that was really impressive and. Right now, we're planning on doing at least one, maybe two of these a year. So um, we just created a like an, uh, an engagement committee, and that's on the, the top of the next agenda meeting is to set up another time so we can go uh, pack boxes maybe later this fall.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Let's just thank him. See, your witness starts with how you live, and Nick was just sharing what our church was doing, what he was doing. And before he knew it, his witness spilled over and someone who wasn't a Christian took notice of that. Tell me more about that. Next thing you know, they were experiencing some of the things of, of Christ's kingdom in our city and world. Well, the second thing I wanna encourage you, if you wanna be a witness here, near, and far, the second thing is to be available because you never know who is seeking You never know who is seeking, so are you available to to be used by God? I was encouraged a couple weeks ago, I got an instant message from one of our partners here at our church, and uh, this lady said, hi, Pastor Jim, I want to share with you what I did with someone recently. The other day, a friend asked me, how do you pray? I never know how to pray, and she asked me uh, to share about prayer. Evidently, this, this woman uh, had a witness that her co-worker or her friend noticed. Well, I told her, well, I remember being in your boat that I used to struggle with how to pray. I was just kind of scattered and didn't know what to say. But then I shared with her a message that you shared uh, a couple of years ago, an outline on how to pray, P-R-A-Y. And the P starts with praise, R starts with repent, and A is asking. and why is yield? And I shared that's the outline I used when I get kind of bogged down or scattered that helped me stay fo- focused. And she thanked me. Well, I was so encouraged with, with this uh, lady being available that when someone asked, hey, do you know anything about prayer? How do you pray? She had an answer. It reminds me of what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared. To give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Are we prepared? Have we been nurturing our values? Have we been nurturing our relationship with Christ? That if all of a sudden someone had a question for us that we would know how maybe to, to answer? Would we be willing to be available? See, I've been doing ministry for 30 years, and this is what I've discovered, that a lot of times there are people around us that are really going through some stressful things or might even be seeking or having some questions. And who is that witness that would be available to maybe to help them? Because a lot of times people are just kind of running around life with a smile on their face. And yes, they might have a nice house and a career and stuff. But inwardly or behind closed doors, there's some stuff that's breaking down. Maybe in their family relationships. Maybe there's a loved one. And who would be that Christian that would pick up on that? Uh, when there's like, yeah, my my uncle's in the hospital or my kid's really struggling. Who would be that that witness who would be available to say, hey, hey, I'd be willing to pray for your child. I'd be re- willing to pray for your, your grandfather who's, who's up against it or something. Uh, really, would you? And to follow through with that prayer. So you don't always have to, to be a theologian and a pastor and a, have all the answers, but just to be available. And sometimes just your story is the best thing you can share. You know, I don't have, I'm not a big uh, minister person, but I remember that I didn't know Christ and then someone introduced me to Christ. And now here's how my life is different and how Christ is kind of transforming me. Before you know it, we're available. Before we know it, we're making a difference. Sometimes being available is just a matter of, of volunteering. There's people right now that are back in our children's ministries. They are making themselves available to be a witness to the next generation. Because every boy and girl that comes through here, they're asking themselves, hey, is, is, do I want to go to church? They're talking about this Jesus person. Well, how is this adult or, adult or this volunteer coming off? Do they, they, do they have a, a joy about them? Uh, do they love Jesus? And they're taking readings. And how we just serve and how we volunteer is a witness, but you have to be available. Just going across the room making yourself available makes a difference. One of my uh, picture I saw this last month is is this picture right here. This is Rich Walker. He don't even know that he's being highlighted today. Uh, But this was at our bikes and barbecue. And uh, we took a lot of pictures, but I believe Rich was sitting at a different table and somewhere in this event, he got up and went and sat at the next table with a couple of gentlemen he might not have even known and said, just made himself available, say, hey, how are you guys doing? And introduced himself and started making them feel comfortable. This is what everyone should do. This is part of the DNA and the culture of Faithbrook, that we would be willing to just risk it a little bit and maybe befriend someone and say, how are you doing? You never know what those dads are dealing with or what they're carrying And that conversation and that relationship can be so life-giving. Part of our culture here at Faithbrook is to just kind of make it a priority to befriend someone that maybe we have a spiritual conversation. Maybe we can uh, invite them even to church. We ask the question a lot of times, who's your one? We ask it in, in almost every staff meeting. We ask it in almost every board meeting. Who's that one that God is laying on your heart? Sometimes our staff and boards, like I have no one, but I'm praying. I'm praying for someone who will come across my path, or maybe I'm, I'm sitting on a sideline watching a kid's soccer team that I can befriend and just listen. Before you know, we, I can maybe a share or even invite them. I, I was um, impressed with a, a woman in our church a couple of years ago. She was praying this Who's, who's one, that Christ, uh, that I can maybe help out with or invite and, and share? And every week, she'd go to her local Walmart, and there was a young man who was working there. And she struck up a conversation, a relationship with this young man, and uh, was sharing about Faithbrook, and invited this, this Walmart worker to, to come to Faithbrook. And you know what? That young man started coming and attending our church. It was remarkable, because just your average person was willing to say, man, I'm going to be available. God, who's my one? Who can I pray for? Help, help me find someone. See, God is not looking for your perfection, but your willingness. God's not looking that you just got to have it all together and your perfection, but would you be available to, to be that witness for Christ here, near, and far? Who's your one? Would you be willing to pray, God, can I minister to somebody? Could I love someone and serve someone and care for someone? And if you said that prayer... You would have to come up with the third ingredient to be uh, an impactful witness, and that is courage. It's not always easy to be a witness for Christ, especially in our culture. Uh, sometimes it's going to take some risks. Sometimes you're going to be seen a little bit different, a little bit odd, because people are kind of looking at you and saying, Oh, you're one of those Christ followers, huh? Sometimes they take a risk in volunteering or praying for someone or inviting someone. I, I really get enthused when, when you take the, the initiative to invite someone uh, and, and you introduce me maybe it's a neighbor or a family member. I'm like, yes, good for you. That took some courage. You're being a witness. Uh, there was a young lady in our teen group. Uh, she was coming faithfully on Wednesday nights. But she could hardly ever, you never saw her on Sunday mornings because she had a part-time job and they always work on her Sunday mornings. So she went to one of our youth group volunteers, adults, and said, you know, I'm really struggling. I'd like to come on Sundays, but, but they won't let me off. And the volunteer's like, have you ever thought about asking for Sundays off? And she's like, oh, man, that's pretty scary. I don't think so. They really, they don't have enough workers. And I don't know. And so this volunteer kind of uh, coached her and encouraged her, take a risk. Ask your your supervisor, they'd be willing to give you uh, every other Sunday off. And she did it. And she asked, and God was faithful. And the supervisor said, sure, we can make that arrangement so you can go to church and we'll schedule you just every other Sunday. It's a great uh, example of having courage to be a witness. Um, No telling what that little message said to that supervisor about this teenage girl who says, man church and Christ is important to me. Because my friends, you might be the only Jesus someone will ever see. Are you making yourself available? Are you uh, trying to be courageous? Because it can make a difference. It is the vision that Jesus had. I, I, I love what Francis Chan said. Christians are like manure. Spread them out and they help everything grow better. Can I get an amen? Right? If we have a good witness, right, it makes things grow better. But Christ said, man, you're going to be my witnesses right here in Jerusalem and right over there and around the world. You're going to make things better. Being a good Samaritan, a sharing love and joy, taking some risk, living like Christ, it's going to make everything better. I want to kind of wrap this message up by asking Corey Hardgraves to come up. Uh, he uh, was trying to be an example of Christ, and he had a usual story he shared with me last week. I was like, man, this has got to share. You talk about someone that was just willing to be a blessing and take a little bit of risk, and it, and it really impacted someone's life greatly. So I'm going to just let you have a step on over here in the light, right? What, what happened last week?
3: All right, so I was leaving the gym and driving on 169, and in the middle of the highway, I saw a wallet sitting there. I looked up in my rearview mirror, no cars coming, so I quick pulled over, and I was like, I'm going to pick it up and see what's, you know, in it or whatever. Picked it up, saw that there was only a wa- uh, an ID and a social security card, nothing else in there. Well, on the ID, I saw the address, and I was like, it's not that far away. I'll go drive it over, at least put it in the person's mailbox so they have it. Um, when I got there, I was faced with the situation because the guy whose wallet it was was sitting in his garage... On his lawn chair. And like, okay, do I give it to him or do I put it in the mailbox and quick get out of there? Mm -hmm. Um, I decide, no, I'm gonna talk to him. So I walked up to him and said, hey, I found your wallet in the middle of the highway. And he goes like this and feels his pocket and he goes, well, how did it get there? And I'm like, well, I don't know. And he goes, well, I was at Goodwill right before here and I thought, uh oh, hopefully he didn't get like pickpocketed and, you know, somebody cleaned out his wallet and threw it in the middle of the highway. So I told him, you know, you might want to check with your bank or whatever, uh, cancel your cards and stuff like that. And he said, well, his head kind of dropped, and he's like, you didn't find anything else in there? And I was like, nope, that's it. And he's like, right before I went to Goodwill, I went to the bank, because I'm set to go to Canada with my son in a couple of days. I took out $1,300. For a
1: fishing trip? So,
3: for a fishing trip, yep. yep. Um, And my heart sunk when I heard that, and I'm like... I wish I could help you, but this is all that was in there. Um, At least you have your ID and you have your social card. But yeah, I would call the bank. You're probably out that money. And I said, you know, I'm glad I was able to help you with this. Started to walk towards my car, and he goes, you know, it's just really weird because right after Goodwill, I was at the gas station, fueled up my car, and I've only been home for about five minutes. And I looked at him and paused, and I said, wait, you've only been home five minutes? And he goes, yeah. And I said, I'll be back. And I said, I'm going to do a hot lap by that area just to see, can I find something? Because I knew which gas station he was talking about. So again, went back to where I was originally. looked no cars coming. So I drove slow on the highway. All of a sudden, I saw something shiny there. So I'm like, quick pullover, hit on my hazards, and picked it up. And here it was a fishing license that had his name on it. I recognized it from the ID. I'm like, okay, well, there's a couple of things here. So I started walking, and all of a sudden, I saw something moving. It was a $100 bill. Kept walking, another hundred dollar bill, another hundred dollar bill, a twenty dollar bill, a fleet farm card, a um, couple of other papers, another hundred dollar bill. Each time I I would walk back and forth, I'd drop off whatever I found in my car, and then I'd do another lap. Well, then finally the last time I did that, I didn't find anything. So I was like, I think I have you know everything that I could find. So I drove back to the guy's house. You know his head looked up and he was like, well, and I said, well. Today's your lucky day. I did find some of your stuff here. And so I went over to where he was in the garage, sat down, and I said, well, let's make a pile. I said, let's separate all your cards and everything. And I held up. I go, is this your bank card? And he goes, yep. And I said, is this your Fleet Farm card? And he goes, yep. And I said, OK. He goes, well, those, those are the cards that I'm worried about. Because um, he paused me and he said, I figured out what I had done. I had put my wallet up on my car when I was fueling up, and I paid at the pump. Well, that didn't work. So I went inside, paid with the card, that I, and he pulled out of his pocket, and he goes, with these cards, and I forgot about my wallet, and I drove off. Well, then we got to the part of the money. So I said, well, let's count and see what we have. All $1,300 were there. Mm-hmm. So it was a great moment. Um, you know, I shook his hand. I said, you know, I'm happy to help you. He re- reached down in his little pile, and he says, here's $100. This is for you. And I looked at him, and I said... No, I said, that's your money. I want you to be able to go to Canada. But the one thing that I do want is I want to make sure that I get a picture with you because I don't believe people are going to believe that this story happened (laughs) unless I get a picture. So I don't know if we have that. We do. But here's the guy that I helped. And then if you look in his hand, he's got his money. And then down on the red jug is all the papers that he had. But again, it, it was one of those moments where you know, I had to take the opportunity to stop. He had to share his story. I had to have the courage to talk to him, and take the initiative to go back and look. And um, it was it was one of those moments where I got done leaving his house, and I just it, it was a weird drive. I shut the radio off and just kind of reflected on life. So it was and you very might have
1: cool. been the only Jesus he had ever met in his life, and you did a very Jesus thing. So thank you, Corey, very much. Amen. Let's let's congratulate Corey. Celebrate that story. I invite you to stand. Uh, we're going to conclude with a prayer, so let's, let's all stand. Thanks for watching us today. Thanks for uh, worshiping with us. Let's pray together. Gracious God, help us to be courageous. As you are courageous to come to this earth and die on that cross, help us to also uh, be available, God, for all people. Thank you for Corey being available and having the courage to stop his car and take the time to just find all, all that uh, money to bless that, that dad who now was able to afford to go on that fishing ship with his son. God, help us to find those people around us this week and the rest of our life to be that witness right here in our neighborhood, to our city and our state and around the world. We pray your Holy Spirit will help us to do that. And we ask it in your name, amen.